morning, everyone. My name is Nathan. I am a child of God. I am a full-time representative of the Lord Jesus Christ at all times and all places. Grandson, son, husband, father, grandfather, friend, and pastor of some of the finest people on the planet. I have a positive ID. I am a keeper, and that's our word for today. In this season of my life, just turned 67 here at the end of August, definitely in my twilight years of ministry, I often find myself thinking inwardly, I wonder if I've done enough of what God has called and intended me to do. What more could I or should I do or how could have I done better? But the good news is I'm still thinking, how can I get better even now? After a particular message that a pastor felt rather good about, he made his way quickly, this young pastor, to the back of the door and greeted people as they left. I mean, they were exiting, and he really needed to hear some attaboys. He needed to hear some good sermon, pastor. He needed it that day. An older woman approached him, and he leaned in to receive his a compliment, and she said, nice try, pastor. <laughs> if you keep practicing, you might just be a preacher one day. So if that's the way you feel about it, just keep it yourself, Okay. Just put it on your prayer list. Maybe some of you who have joined us today feel insecure or have experienced a recent rejection in some way that you know, maybe only you know. And as you reflect on your life right now, think about it, uh, you wonder. You're not where you thought you were going to be or where you even wanted to be. You may be thinking that maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I've missed it. Well, I've got some breaking news for you today. There may indeed be something wrong with you because there might be something missing in you. I believe this to be true. Someone may be missing. So two simple points, and then I'll elaborate a couple of points. But here's what I want to be very clear. Without Jesus, something is missing in you. I don't care how good things are. Without Jesus, you're not complete. If you haven't said yes to Jesus from the depths of your heart, not just a quick flip prayer, but from the depths of your heart and come in confession and repentance, you're missing out on the most life-changing relationship in this world. And it's only in this relationship, it's only this relationship that can bring you into the status of living transformed. We talk about it all the time. Don't you love that? Because that means we haven't arrived. We're not at the destination. We're on a journey. It's getting better. Let's give our attention to Scripture, some Scriptures I'll be referring to from Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read a couple of verses and jump around a bit. But it says, verse 1, listen, listen, to the, listen carefully. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Can we relate to that? But notice, please, the past tense all throughout this passage. All of you used to live that way, spiritually dead, disobeying, 
following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger. We were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. Oh, verse four, and we'll come back to this later. Listen to this, all of that. But God, don't you love those? You ought to do a word study and find out how many times in the Bible that's a really good thing. Is so rich in mercy that he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that we have been saved. That's why we can worship him today with joy and freedom. So in this passage, if I read it quickly, you read along, you can see that there are three realities if you're missing Jesus. No matter what your pedigree might be, if you're missing Jesus, you're sinful, it says, and you're spiritually dead, and you deserve God's anger. Is that true? Aren't you glad you came to Worcester Nass today? Aren't you glad you tuned in? Don't you feel encouraged and loved? I want to go back. Verse 3 again says, you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. It goes on to say that you were following your passion, desires, and inclinations of your sinful nature. Because of this, God, you were the subject of God's anger. These are all biblically true. Even if they don't necessarily feel so good, we need a proper diagnosis, don't we? But there it is, as I mentioned before in verse four, shining out, jumping out, shouting to us. All of that was true, but God got involved. He showed up. But God, these two words, when they're linked together throughout God's word, every time you read them, you can almost always take comfort because God shows up and his presence always brings the possibility of hope and change. Wherever you are today, there could be a but God moment beyond meeting him and walking with him, but throughout life, let's read it again. Verse five, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead and that grace reached out to us and it's only through that grace we can be saved. So I wanna say it again very clearly. Without Jesus in your heart and life, you can have him in your head, but you don't always have him in your heart. Someone wrote that that 18 inches, that's the hardest trip, the longest trip sometimes. Not just in your head, because so many of us know about him, but what this is talking about, coming to a relationship with him. If you don't have Jesus in you, something is wrong in you. You'll never reach your God-created potential without him. But when God shows up in you, everything can change in a moment because you change directions. You go at 180. You were walking towards darkness, but now you're walking towards light. You don't automatically get there, but you're, all things are new. So if Jesus isn't in you, something's missing. It's that God-shaped void that you try to cram all kinds of things into. And even now you're wondering, is this all there is? I thought when I got to this goal or accomplished this or achieved this or by this age, I'd be way beyond where I am now. No matter where you are, God says, I want to come in a but God moment and I want to change your life and give you direction and purpose if you'll allow me. Without Jesus, something is missing in you, and that something is a someone that can make all things new. The second thing I would say is this. With Jesus, you have what you need in you. No matter where you are in life, no matter what age, no matter where you've been. And so we begin to focus in on our theme for today, that word keeper. Keeper is a word that I, it's like uh, you're a good one. It's like you're one of my favorites. 
I don't say that to everybody. But I have uh, files, digital files and hard copies, files of what I call keepers. And this consists of things of value primarily from my family. But I got to thinking about it. I, I can take you to a door where I have Father's Day cards and birthday cards, especially for my kids or close friends. And uh, it's not about the card, it's about the people they represent. You know what I'm saying? Keepers. I mean, you just don't want to let go. And so I want you to think about that word. With Jesus in you, because you've come and bowed and said, I confess, repent, I turn from my sin, turn to you. You had Jesus in your heart and life. I want to tell you that on the authority of God's word, you are now a keeper. And I've been saying over and over in this series and beyond that sometimes our self-talk is the most devastating. You need to look in the mirror. That's not full of pride. That's full of God. You're not pointing to yourself. You're pointing to him because of his rich grace and mercy who reached out to you. You're a keeper. Say it. Believe it. Receive it. In God's eyes, I am a keeper. This is true because I've said yes to Jesus. He is in me. Now I am a child of God, and that will never change. That's my most positive ID that everything else flows from. Let's go back to Ephesians 2, verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believed. It's not automatic. It's all been provided, but you've got to provide the belief. Nobody can believe for you, agreed? You've got to provide the belief. And you take, can't take credit for even the believing part or receiving it. For this, it is a gift from God. Verse 9, salvation is not a reward for good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece, his keeper. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planted for us, he planned for us long ago. I wanna be like Jesus. I wanna be about the Father's business, don't you? I really do. Because I represent him at all times, at all places, in all seasons. And not just on sunny, beautiful, gorgeous summer, fall days like we're having today. Wow, what a verse. With Jesus in your life, in your heart, you become that keeper, that masterpiece he created you to be. And there will be no other way you'll achieve it. Everything will come up empty. He saved you by his grace when you believe. You can't take credit for it because it's a gift, right? You can't take credit for any gift ever. Salvation isn't a reward. You can't boast about it. You don't deserve it. You didn't earn it. It's a gift given. You're recreated in Jesus Christ. New direction, new purpose. You're free to do the good things he planned for you all along. And it's not too late for you to do the good things he planned. We don't get into Eeyore mode and look back. I should have, would have, could have, might have. He has plans for you moving ahead. Now forward. I want to say expressly the last part of the verse. Let me make it clear once again. We are never saved by our good works. Nod your heads if you get that. We're never, 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 never saved by our good works. We can never be good enough, right enough. But we are saved for good works. No excuses. The good works that he had planned flow out of our life because we want to honor him. We're so overwhelmed with his love and grace and salvation and mercy, all that he's provided we, we live for that life verse to glorify God, pointing and praising all the way. 
That's our dream. That's our heart. Saved for good works. So in Christ, you are now a keeper. That sounds permanent. A masterpiece created for the master's purposes. I see bumper stickers from time to time. Have you? God don't make junk. Have you ever heard that? Some of you need to look in the mirror and say that about yourself. God don't make junk. I'm a keeper. Here's the only problem. Most of the time I see those gaudy bumper stickers, they grace the bumpers of junky vehicles. (laughs) But again, maybe that's appropriate to life. Because we were all trashed in some way. We were all messed up in some way. But God in his great mercy met us when we are. When I made you, I didn't make a mistake. I didn't go, oops. I told my mom when I was taking her down the wheelchair backwards in the, the, the sidewalk behind our house just to, from a doctor's appointment or something, I said, uh, get wor- if I say oops, you better start worrying because <laughs> you can't see where you're going. I think sometimes we think that God says oops or he must have made a mistake on us. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. You're just not in the sweet spot of obedience yet, most likely. Well, embrace this truth, head and heart. I'm God's masterpiece, his keeper made in Christ Jesus to do what he had created me to do. How, look at it. How could that be anything but good to be, to be doing exactly what he created you to do? It's not in what it is. It, the what doesn't matter. It's that you're fulfilling his purpose. That is the sweet spot. I was made for this. And by the way, what you're doing today may not be what you did yesterday, and it may not be what you're doing in the days ahead, but you can be in a sweet spot right now. It's being in a sweet spot that takes you where you need to be. How many of you know that to be true? Not looking and wondering, wondering, this is where I am. I'm a child of God. I'm, I'm God's masterpiece. I'm a keeper. Masterpiece, a beautiful poem, a poetic statement, a tapestry of, to the glory of God, favorite keeper, all those terms. Dixie and I sometimes sing a song and somebody got the words for us on a beautiful wooden plaque. But when you can't trace his hand, I like that phrase that goes, and like a tapestry, he's weaving you and me to one day be just like him. That gives me goosebump every time we sing it. Like a tapestry, God is weaving you and me to one day so I could one day be just like him. When does that start? Right here and right now. But in the process, you're still a keeper. You're just not a keeper when you get to heaven in the sweet by and by. It's right here, right now. And he wants to shine in you and through you. But he says, you're the best representer I have in the place where I've placed you. Will you be that? Will you let that light shine? So let's finish by talking a little bit more about God's keeper. Two or three things. I'll say it very clearly again. First of all, you were created for God's purpose and purposes You were created to bring glory to his name just the way you are. Could there be a greater purpose? Could there be a greater joy? Could there be a greater sense of significance to know that I'm living today so my life will point to him and honor him and glorify him in everything I do in my words and my thoughts and my attitudes? And Lord, let me begin, first of all, in my home with my spouse, with my kids and grands. Some of you aren't buying this because you don't really think you're a keeper. Because you think you've got to perform a certain way. No, no, no. It's God's grace and mercy that that motivates you. Without that, you're never going to get there. You don't have to be or do anything. You just be who God created you to be. And he would say, that's my beloved son or daughter in whom I am very well pleased. 
You were created for God's purposes to bring glory to his name. I love it. One of my favorite psalms, and I have many favorite passages. I love God's word. Get it in me and through me, through me, through me, in me, in me, in me every day. Psalm 139, just a couple of verses there. This is, this, this is masterpiece talk. This is keeper talk. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Ah, oh, this is tender talk. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You're not saying this about anybody else, he's saying this about himself. You need to read this and bless yourself with this passage because it's true of you. Next verse, you watched me, oh boy, is this a statement for life. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Do we have any takers on that? That could just mean one thing. You are a special, one of a kind, one fingerprint only masterpiece, a keeper created for his purposes by Almighty God. That ought to make the hair stand up on the back of your neck if you have any. Oh, would you embrace that? David saw himself as a masterpiece, and he knew that he messed up from time to time, but he didn't fall away in rebellion. He fell towards God in repentance and brokenness. But he viewed himself that way by the hand of God, and you know what it caused him to do? It caused him to be a life worshiper. When you get it, you don't take credit. I'm a keeper, I'm a keeper. You point and praise God from whom all blessings flow. It's not what I've done, it's who he is in me. I represent him. Oh, I love that passage. He breaks into praise and thanksgiving and Paul agrees with David in the Bible. It's about who made you. That verse 10 again, for we are now God's masterpiece, a keeper created by him. He created us anew in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. Hey, he has good things planned for you to do. Are you doing them? Are you doing them? If you know who you are, you'll know what to do, and you'll do what you know to do. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do and you'll do it. And in a good sense, I wanna tell you today on the authority of God's word, you are a piece of work. <laughs> you know, we said, well, you're a piece of work, but God says, you are a piece of work, my masterpiece. I think I'll keep you. I love you so much that I want you to be always with me where I am. Man, that's love, isn't it? I want you to be forever in my presence, always with me wherever. I see your weaknesses, I see your ups and downs, but man, when I'm in you, it's unstoppable and crushable. We will overcome. This is the precise slice of time where God wanted you to be born and he gifted you for his purposes, for his glory. It's the best time in history for you to serve his purposes, to make a difference, to create waves, to, to make ripples in the water. Here's the thing, if we don't get this in our heart, my pastors, it's just a power of positive thing. You know, this is the power of transformation. This is the life-giving power of living transformed every day because I have seen this to be true over the years. If you don't understand the purpose of a thing 
or a gifting, you'll end up abusing it, and if you abuse it, you'll lose it. Agreed? Man, I'm thinking of some illustration. I think of, man, youth that are now adults, full grown, and probably have kids and grands that I love, and names and faces are coming to mind, but I think of one gentleman in particular, God reached out and rescued him out of the pit and he was following hard but somewhere he began to recognize the brilliance and gifts that God had given him and instead of using them to enhance the kingdom he used them to pursue selfish means and the brilliance that he had turned into the brilliance that he used for criminal purposes illegal activity and today he's still floundering out there but if there's life and breath there's still hope right? So I want to ask how you're using the gifts, the things that God has given you to glorify him. Don't abuse. Whatever the abuse of any gift, it all comes down to self-focus. And it's selfishness. It's about, it's about the big eye, me, right? That's how we abuse God's gifts. So maybe you're sitting there and go, Pastor, this is well and good, but I don't really know the purpose of this particular gift. Well, could I just clue you in? Ask the one who created it and put it within you for his intended purpose. He will direct you in the way that you should go. You're not a mistake. You're God's masterpiece, his keeper. Seek him, find your purpose now. Don't look back, look back, look back, look back. Yeah, there's testimonies of God's intervention on the way, but look up, look forward, look forward. You exist to bring glory to God. That's the only path to significance that I know of that's gonna last. The second thing is, not only were you created for God's purpose, but secondly, you have everything you need to do everything God intends. Got it? Yeah. Let's go to 2 Peter 1. By his divine power, we, oh, we read these words and they just get biased. I mean, we're talking about resurrection power, almighty God, all power. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. That sounds like what we do when we can say, I am a child of God. We have received all this by coming to know him, not just head knowledge about him, but to know him in relationship, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Wow, isn't that good? You are a keeper because of his marvelous glory and excellence. He does all things well, and he did really well when he made you. And we ought to be calling that out. That shouldn't just be about something. But that's what we need to see in our kids and grands and other people. Even when they're struggling and, and, and flubbing and, and just wobbling along, we, we want to help them become who God created them to be, don't we? We want to speak life. We want to believe the best. The godly life, that, that good life. Don't reject the power that can make us godly, as it says in Romans 1. God doesn't make mistakes when he creates. No, he doesn't. He did not make a mistake when he created you, no matter what circumstance you might have been born into. When God called Moses to deliver Israel, Moses didn't believe he was good enough, did he? He had a silver spoon in his life, much of growing up. As you know, the son of Pharaoh's daughter adopted a son, and he began to make excuses. I can't do this, and I can't do that. But God knew Moses had within him what he needed to do what God wanted him to do, and the rest is history. Read about it. Oh, somebody needs to hear this. Don't get your eyes on others. Because remember, we're not comparing. We're not excusing. We're not complaining. We're not fearing. 
don't get your eyes on others and contract a severe case of masterpiece envy. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just appreciate the masterpiece that they are. Appreciate the fact that they're God's keeper. Keep your gaze on God and refuse to be distracted by others. God has given you all that you need to obey him in the moment. Oh, he's gonna give you more, but how about receiving and being obedient right now, right where you are? Let others do what they do for the glory of God. You do what you can do. If not, you'll find yourself morphing somewhere from I can't to I won't. In Christ, you're a new creation, the Bible says. And that means you have new purposes or refocused purposes created by him and for him. Thirdly and finally, some of you, got, you need to write this down on the flyleaf of your mind at least. God uses everything in your life for his purposes. Somebody needs to say everything. Everything. Anything. This old thing. That old thing. No matter what. Because man, when he redeems us, he does a job on all that we are. Oh, I love it. God uses everything in your life for his purposes. Living transformed. Does that sound familiar? It's all about constantly continuing, present tense active, being shaped and formed by, for his intended purposes. This is not all there is, and we determine that we're gonna live life like that. We're leaning forward. We're living into, towards eternity. Romans 8, 28, a favorite verse that is often quoted, and we know that because we're keepers, we're his masterpiece, that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Could he use even the things that I did and was before I ever loved God when he loved me first? Yeah, he can use it all, but the key is that we come to love him and know him, and that's when he does his redemptive work. Listen, this promise most often includes all the seasons of life, and each season has its ups and downs, agreed? This is an all-season promise to all those who love him and are called according to his purposes. He's the potter, the Bible says, and we become the willing clay. Palms up. We allow him to shape us for his purposes. I love that song, Take My Life, and the three words, I don't know if I have them in order, but form it, conform it, transform it, Lord, to yours. This gives us tremendous God confidence to step into his will, knowing that he's sovereign and he has called me his own a keeper, a masterpiece, created for his purposes. If a masterpiece isn't being used for its intended purpose, there's gonna be misery no matter how gorgeous, right? Agreed? Well, I'm too beat up, I'm scarred, I'm this, that, and the other. That doesn't, that doesn't diminish your worth, your significance. He's the potter. A quick review of a favorite Old Testament story of mine. Joseph knew deep in his heart that he was God's masterpiece. 
He tried to tell his brothers that he was a keeper, and they didn't much like it. I am a keeper. I am a keeper, you know. And the robe and all of that, the favorite treatment didn't help. But somehow he knew that God had his hand on his life. And Joseph, I believe, knew that he was going to be a leader somehow, some way. But he didn't have the picture now. He just believed in his heart. His brothers weren't having it. And because of their jealousy, they sold him into slavery in Egypt. And there, he not only was sold into slavery, but then he ended up in prison, innocent though he was. You remember the story? I'm sure Joseph never wanted to be a slave, falsely accused, or a prisoner on his path to leadership. But the potter kept his eye and his hand on him. Did you hear me? Look at me. God's got his eye on you. God's got his hand on you, no matter where you may be. Joseph ended up being taken out of prison and promoted to second command in all of Egypt, as you know. And his brothers came and recognized his leadership position. They bowed before him, not recognizing him at first. And then they said to himself when they did recognize him, he's alive, now we're dead. (laughs) That's my paraphrase. No! God had shaped him for this season of leadership and it took all of the before. What the brothers intended for evil, the Bible says, God used for good, every bit of it. Every bit of it. But we think it was pleasant for him being falsely accused in his advances towards Mrs. Potiphar. Do you think he loved it when he was treated so horribly by his brothers and when he was, no, he could never imagine But God was using it all to shape him, to form him for his use. Well, could I just say that's not just a wonderful Bible story that you ought to reread again this week for encouragement. These same principles apply to your life and times. You may not see it. You may not understand it, but he is working. He will use, listen, he will use the good, the bad, and ugly for his purposes. Could I... Could I repeat that? He will use the good, the bad, and the ugly for his purposes. But here's the key. He will get glory through your surrendered life. All of it. I don't just give you my sin, Lord. I surrender my life. Here I am. I don't know how you can make a miracle out of messes, but Lord, whatever you said, pastor said, your word said that you made me, you didn't make a mistake, and I'm a keeper by yours. So Lord, I'm, I'm going palms up. I'm all in, all out. I surrender everything to you. That's why some of you are stuck, because you haven't come to the point of surrender. Because you think you have to do this, fix this, fix that. God says, no, you don't. Come to me and just give it all to me. Well, Quit asking him to take it, take it, take it, and go, I surrender, I surrender, I surrender. I give it, I give it, I give it. It's almost, take it, I dare you. I'm attached to this. I give it, I give it, because you first gave to me. Your love is so powerful. Man, I'm very well aware of it. Even as I move through the crowds on Sunday morning in my prayer time through the week and in the night when names and faces come to mind, I pray for many of you in the wee hours this morning when God just put it in my heart, not knowing always what's going on. But I believe this with all my heart. I cling to this, that God will even use pain to change you and others. Yeah? It's not gonna be all glamorous all the time. And it's, that's, that's, where, that's where most people come and do business with God at a point of pain, don't they? Something they can't handle, can't fix it. God, low. God can even use your forgiven and healed past to get glory to his name. That's if, that's if you don't waller in your past and call yourself by what you used to be before you met Jesus. Did I hit that last week? Got it? 
to God be the glory, I'm just a mess. I'm just, I just messed up all my life. No, to God be the glory. He is doing great things in my life. Through your testimony, people can relate. People, you can relate to people that maybe would never relate to me, and, and, and they will come to know him as you point to Almighty God. I have observed through my life that many of God's masterpieces or keepers are not in mint condition. Hey, but in our culture, antiques are really valuable, right? <laughs> I mean, look up, I guess you're a Stradivarius. Look it up, violins. You may be battered, but it doesn't matter. If you were made Stradivarius, I mean, you are of great worth. Masterpiece. You are. Will you accept, will you receive that? Don't, don't, in, 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 on the inside, because if you're doing it physically, you'll think, don't fold your arms inside and push it away. This truth is for you. It's for you. It's, it's for yours. He wants to stir up hope within us today. Well, I'm done. Isaiah 64, 8. And yet, O oh Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. Lord, I'm a keeper because you said it. Because of your love and grace, you saved me. You formed me by your hand and for your purposes. And I can't think of a better way to invest my life. Can you? Can you? No matter where you are. God has placed you where you are, right here, right now, right now, for this time in history, right now. It's not an accident. You're not in the wrong place. You're in a place of obedience right now. Seasons come and seasons go, but obedience will be a part of every season. Yes? If you're struggling with who you are, allow you Allow God to make you into a new creation for his purposes. That's by an act of your will, free will. You can't do it through self-help, positive thinking. God, I am a keeper because your word says that when anyone's in Christ and I'm in Christ, I'm a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come and I'm gonna stand in the newness of my identity. I'm going to walk it out. Oh, man. There could be so many testimonies. We're going to be working on some my stories that would go so well right here. You'll be hearing more. I love this pastor's paraphrase from Ephesians 1. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, <laughs> He had his eye on us, had designs on us for, for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. Do you, do you embrace that scripture? And finally, Philippians 1. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Amen.
I'm going to invite you to stand, if you would, if you could, if you can. And I just want to ask you, have you embraced your identity? First of all, you got to have Jesus in you. I'm not asking if you know the stories. Do you know him? Have you said yes to him? Because that's the only way to come into relationship with him. Have you done that? And if you have, the only path to significance is living a surrendered life. Here it is. Some of the past I'm not proud of. I wish I could do over. I can't. But I am being made new by your love and grace. And Lord, whatever you can use, if you can use anything, you can use me. Lord, I surrender. I say yes to you. I pray that online today that people would feel your love reaching to them. You bring conviction sometimes. That's never about condemnation. That's because you want us to step into your love and grace. We have to be convicted to realize that we're sinners who are in need of your grace and salvation. But may hearts be warm today, and may we just feel drawn to you. Come to me, and I will give you rest. I'll give you significance. I'll give you joy. I'll use every painful step of your life for my honor and glory and turn you into a stratus various, a, a masterpiece, a keeper. It's not just who you are, but it's who I've made you to be, Almighty God. My stamp of approval is upon you. And I ask that we would embrace this, that we would embrace this today, even in these closing moments of the service. Our altars and stairs are always open at home. You can pray, whatever, by, whatever means. But I just know this, when God touches, touches our heart, speaks to us, now's the time to respond. If you've never said yes, oh, you could do that, but it's not a private thing that you do under your breath. It's something that you're, you're bold about, and you confess, you tell somebody else about it. We, we love altars. You can come and meet Jesus today. You, you can, it's a matter of the heart, but there's something about putting feet to it. And maybe if you're living so far beneath your privilege and you just don't know your purpose and you don't see yourself as a keeper, could you just come and say, God, I recognize this. I'm going to embrace this truth as I surrender myself to you today. The altars and stairs are open for any, any need, always. But as we just sing a little bit before we close, would you just say yes to him and then take whatever obedient action?